Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today we continue our fantasy football team preview series with the Miami Dolphins. Make sure you check out the uh, previous 18 team previews if you haven't already. They will be rolling up until the week before week one, trying to keep them as evergreen as possible. So without further ado, your 2020 Miami Dolphins fantasy football team preview. First question, who's going to be under center? Seemed like a situation where, you know, if there was going to be a top 10 quarterback that could truly take the season off. I mean, I have my money on Tua. I understand Herbert and Ty God and the whole, you know, not being a bridge QB thing over in LA, but just with the hip injury with Tua, it was almost, you know, made out to be this whole offseason. The dude wasn't going to be 100% for a while, but cleared for all football activities, appears to be competing. We'll see what's what. I mean, top 10 QBs historically get on the field sooner rather than later since 2010. 17 of 20 top 10 quarterbacks selected have gone on to start at least 10 games. It's interesting to think about the dynamic in this offense uh, with Fitzpatrick under center versus Tua. I mean, obviously Fitzpatrick was the Dolphins' leading rusher from a season ago and was just, you know, the ultimate kind of YOLO ball fantasy quarterback that, uh, you know, took a lot of people probably to the fantasy championship. I mean, only Lamar Jackson uh, scored more fantasy points than Fitzpatrick upon him taking over the full-time starting job in week seven last season. And, you know, the offense is suited well for him. We got a you know bunch of contested catch monsters in Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Mike Jasicki. And Fitzpatrick is more than willing to give them a chance. So he's a reunited with former OC at both the Jets and the Bills, Chan Gailey. It's a situation where we don't know we're getting with Tua, but until Burroughs insane 2019 season, uh, Tua was, you know, believed to be the number one uh, quarterback available. So you figure he's going to be able to do his thing to some extent if he's as good as everyone says he will. And we have Fitzpatrick, who is, you know, again, the reigning uh, QB2 from when he was starting last season. So it's tough to, uh, you know, wrap your mind around which one is going to be there because of that. They're both being priced so low in fantasy drafts that they're pretty much going free. And, you know, in a single QB league, okay, you're not touching either of these guys, but Fitzpatrick is going to be a recommended starter whenever he's able to get, uh, you know, that opportunity. I mean, I found myself in a couple best ball leagues where, you know, you're, you're in a two QB setup or a super flex and you don't take the QBs when you should have and you get down to the wire. But, like, why would you take, you know, anyone on the Bears or, you know, I, I would take Tyrod, but, you know, I'm not taking Herbert over these Miami guys. There's something to be said for almost just taking Fitzpatrick and Tua in these best ball formats. And sure, you'll have the Miami quarterback. I understand it kind of limits the upside of the rest of your roster, but clearly, you know, you waited so long to get the quarterback anyway that ideally you have more upside throughout the rest of your skill position than you would have had had you taken the quarterback earlier. So, I mean, when Fitzpatrick is going to be out there, he's going to be, you know, on kind of that, that QB1 borderline in a worst-case scenario. I think Tua it might be a little bit further away from being, you know, this top 10 fancy QB, you know, was never, even though he's mobile and, you know, he's, he's rightfully earned some Russell Wilson comps for the things he does, you know, in the off script plays, but, you know, just wasn't a guy that was, you know, consistently racking up rushing yards by any stretch of the imagination at Alabama. You know, I'm, I'm high on Fitzpatrick as a, as a streamer option forever, how long he can keep the job. I think Tua could have a little more trouble uh, um, supplying immediate fantasy value if things go to him. The backfield is probably the main spot I'm looking to target in this offense, you know, relative to fantasy costs. It's looking like Jordan Howard as the RB1, Matt Breida as the change of pace pass game RB2. 
I think that's the best case scenario for Breida, though. I don't have anything against him. I mean, he look, he's a stud. Only uh, Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones have averaged more yards per carry than Breida since 2017, among everyone with at least 300 carries. You know, he's made some plays in the passing game where he's actually functioning as a downfield receiver. Easy to see how he, you know, manages to uh, potentially overtake Howard. But, man, Howard is just one of these guys that coaching staffs love him. And you look at his career, he started off with the John Fox Bears. Then he played a season under Nagy. And then he went to Philly and was good enough to keep Jordan Howard on the bench until he got hurt. And, I mean, that wasn't coaching malpractice. Jordan Howard was playing well last season. He was playing better than Miles Sanders in the first half of the year. Now, I think Sanders, his receiving ability – opens things up. I'm not trying to say I'd rather have Jordan Howard over Miles Sanders uh, on my real life or fantasy team, but I mean, that's three different coaching staffs. You know, if you extrapolate what Howard did before the injury last season, three separate coaching staffs have given this guy 225 plus touches over the last four seasons. So it's one of these spots where the Dolphins brought him on. They didn't add any running backs in the draft. They traded a fifth round pick for Brita. It just seems like Howard is going to be the guy. And how, what will that guy mean for fantasy and an offense that, you know, Fitzpatrick is the returning leading rusher? probably not all that great but hey the guys being drafted outside the top 30 I think Jordan Howard is the cheapest fancy football running back that we can you know realistically expect to get 200 plus touches and it honestly could be a hell of a lot more and you know the Dolphins did do a good job addressing their offensive line throughout free agency and the draft I have concerns about how quickly they will be able to gel but you know, we always talk about it, volume trumps talent in fantasy football, and it looks like Jordan Howard is going to have all the volume he can handle. So I am taking him ahead of Brita. I don't mind taking a dart on Brita. I just don't – I'm not convinced he's going to get this three-down roll, and it kind of concerns me that, you know, someone like Kyle Shanahan, who has been an RB whisperer throughout his, you know, coaching career and just his family in general, concerns me that he was so willing to give away Brita um, during this offseason and just wouldn't didn't even play him uh, down the stretch of the 49ers Super Bowl run. So I am Howard over Breida, even though, you know, Breida will probably have that slightly more fantasy-friendly pass game role. Moving on to the receivers. So mentioned before, a uh, big change kind of in this offense, other than the potential for Tua to take over, is Chan Gailey now being the OC. And this is really exciting for Devontae Parker because Chan Gailey just really knows how to feed a wide receiver one. I mean, his last six Wide receiver one seasons have consisted of Dwayne Bowe, Stevie Johnson, and Brandon Marshall. And every single time, these guys got at least 128 targets, which is what Parker had last season. So that workload that we saw from Parker is pretty much his floor. And, I mean, we're looking at 170-plus target ceiling potentially. I mean, that's what Brandon Marshall got with the Jets. You know, that kind of – everyone thought he was washed up, and Fitzmagic and Marshall kind of gave the Jets uh, that real fun team back in 2015. I believe so I know there's concern with Parker versus Preston Williams because with Preston Williams on the field last year Parker was just a PPR wide receiver 36 was actually out targeted by Preston and then without Preston uh, Parker works as the PPR wide receiver two the rest of the way 76 targets uh, 24 more than he had had in the previous eight games but to me it was just the manner in which Parker went about topping every other wide receiver then Michael Thomas. I mean, he put up seven catches, 135 yards on Tredavious White, 
five catches, 111 yards on William Jackson. And the one everyone remembers, eight catches and 137 yards on Stephon Gilmore. Look, Parker has always been this incredibly talented contested catch monster. You know, he's hardly the first guy to thrive the second Adam Gase leaves. And we saw what he did when he finally had the opportunity to be the alpha wide receiver one. What did the front, front office do? They gave him a contract extension, pretty much anointing him as the guy. And look at the offense. They didn't bring in any more wide receivers. They lost Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns to COVID opt-outs. So really, like, we're going to fade Parker, whose ADP is outside the top 20 wide receivers because of an undrafted wide receiver coming back from an ACL injury. I understand Williams is more talented than that. And, you know, he put on some great film last year. Preston Williams is good too, but it's a situation where I think because Preston Williams is also a value, we're not paying enough attention to Devonte. I mean, we should be treating this like we do the lions. I mean, no one's out here saying you shouldn't draft Kenny Galladay because of Marvin Jones. You just usually like they're both values. It's just a discount version of what we have in Detroit. It's a condensed passing game. Parker's going to be the one. The bigger question is, is this going to be Preston or Jasicki as the number two? And look, I mean, Williams was very good last year. And again, he outproduced Parker in those first eight game games. You know, dismal 53% catch rate. Some of those games coincided with Josh Rosen being under center. That's, you know, part of the reason why he was able to outproduce Parker. But I think the real question is, is Williams or Jacecki going to be the wide receiver too? And I, you know, no offense to Jacecki about being a tight end or wide receiver. He's a baller. He just plays wide receiver, even though he's listed as a tight end. I mean, 77% of Jacecki's snaps last season were in the slot or out wide. He made good use of it. Why shouldn't you put this guy out as a receiver? He's 6'6", 245 with, you know, a sub 4'6", 40-yard dash. I mean, he's got dominant contested catchability. He is such a perfect fit. For Fitzpatrick, we saw that last season. And now, I mean, I had concerns with the new offense because Chan Gailey, you know, history with tight ends isn't great, but we're looking at a slot receiver here. So the concern was what if we get a healthier version of Albert Wilson or Alan Hearns, you know, continues to get run. But with those two guys out of the picture, I mean, Jasicki's only real competition for that, that slot role is Jakeem Grant, who is just such a pint-sized kind of speedster. You know, I don't want to take anything away from him, J.J. Nelson, these real undersized uh, wide receiver gadget type guys, but it's just very unlikely to me that we see someone like Jakeem Grant keep Jasicki off the field. You know, the concern was just, will he get the snaps? I'm very confident Jasicki will be in those three wide receiver formations, souping up 75% snaps. Jasicki's the exact type of guy I want to bet on. I mean, last year in my best ball draft, Jasicki was actually my highest known player regardless of position. And for those of you not playing best ball, I would encourage you all to check out Underdog Sports. Uh, you will love it. It is from the ex-founders of Draft, you know, which was my favorite best ball platform um, for, uh, from last year. Look, you have a shot to win a million dollars in the Underdog Tournament. Just make sure to enter the code PFF after you make your first deposit. You will get that chance to capture a million dollars. And, you know, Jasicki, a little higher price this year. I'm not sure if I'm I, – I don't. I can tell you that. I do not have the same exposure to Jasicki this year as I did last year. But, you know, these Dolphins receivers, you know, they're being priced closer to their floor. You look at Parker with that, you know, low 20 ADP, even though he was the wide receiver too, second half of last year. Preston Williams being in like the 40, 50 wide receiver range. I mean, if that guy can stay healthy, he's going to smash. So, you know, wouldn't be going out on a limb too much for uh, Jasicki. But, you know, you're trying to take down that million-dollar tournament, go get Parker Williams, guys that are being priced much closer to their floor than their ceiling. So 
moving on to the ranks, I have these quarterbacks ranked outside of the top 30 currently. It's, you have to do this in the rankings because we're projecting full season. And when you have a quarterback that isn't projected to play 16 games, it just becomes hard to put them, you know, above 28 or so. Uh, I do lean Tyrod Taylor as the uh, preferred streamer option. You know, if him and Fitzpatrick are each, uh, you know, starting in week one, I just think Tyrod's uh, really enhanced rushing ability with all due respect to Fitzmagic, you know, still trying to run over all these dudes, even in his old age. Uh, Tyrod has the better start this season better rushing floor and uh, honestly better overall offense around him. So not against streaming Fitzpatrick, like I said, but I would just caution uh, expectations and Tua is gonna, probably going to be in there sooner rather than later, barring help, barring health, excuse me. I have Jordan Howard as the RB 33, one spot behind JK Dobbins, one spot ahead of Tevin Coleman. Like I said, people, cheapest guy that we could realistically expect for 200-plus touches. I have him just ahead of, you know, the Murray, Patterson, uh, Madison, Pollard, Edmonds, you know, tier of handcuffs. I just think, you know, that type of role. Wow. Sometimes, you know, we obsess over the targets. There's a lot to be said for getting all those touches. I have uh, Matt Breida, RB37, also ahead of Madison, Pollard, Edmonds. I do have him behind Latavius Murray. I think Latavius could still give you some semblance of, uh, you know, here and there standalone value in that Saints offense. He did get, you know, double digit touches in a few games that uh, Alvin Kamara wasn't in last season, but just concerned about Brita one, his, you know, overall uh, touches game to game. And also if there was an injury to Howard, I'm not really convinced Brita would be anointed three down role in his range of outcomes though. So I'm, I'm fine, you know, taking stabs at him. Zero RB drafters should definitely be lining up to take shots at this Miami backfield. I have Devontae Parker as my wide receiver 20, one spot behind DJ Chark, one spot ahead of Stefan Diggs. It's this tier of wide receivers, like in this kind of 19 through 30 range where they are their team's number one pass game option. They're talented guys. We just have questions. And, you know, I'm putting Parker above the banged up vets, like, you know, your Hilton, your AJ Green, your Julian Edelman, even though he's healthy right now. I'm putting him behind DJ Chark, who I think is just, you know, really coming on. And he's going to get that kind of YOLO ball role that uh, Parker had last year from Gardner Minshew. Parker still could get that this year. I just think Chark, uh, you know, with the more uh, friendly quarterback for him confirmed outweighs Parker, who, again, we know what he can do with Fitzpatrick under center, but a little concerned about what happens with Tua there. Uh, Preston Williams, I have as my wide receiver, 44, one spot behind Golden Tate, one spot ahead of Mike Williams. Go after both of these guys, people. Like, again, it's, it's okay for one team to have multiple wide receivers that are fancy values, particularly when they're being priced as cheap. Um, Mike Jasicki, I have as my wide, as my tight end, 11, one spot behind Noah Font, one spot ahead of Jared Cook. And, you know, even though he's not my most uh, own guy in best ball this year, still a guy I'm happy to leave fantasy drafts with. You know, you got Kittle, Kelsey Andrews at the top. But if you can't get one of those three, you know, feel free to let your buddies overdraft, you know, tight end four through 10, and then go ahead and take Fant, Jasicki, you know, Jarwin, Herndon, any of these kind of rising youngsters that have the talent, maybe they don't have the same, you know, guaranteed target share, but definitely a scenario where these guys fall out in 2020. This takes us to the win total. Dolphins currently sitting at uh, six and a half. Made a lot of improvements in their secondary. You know, Adam Byron Jones, Xavier Howard using a first round pick at the position. You know, another team that is seemingly, you know, putting more emphasis 
on their cornerbacks over their pass rush. You know, this is a study PFF has done over the last couple of years. And, you know, while you prefer to have a great pass rush and a great secondary, uh, if you had to pick one between the other, there is a lot of data that is indicating you would want to beef up the secondary. I am still going to go under six and a half. I think we see a similar situation as last year where this could be a very entertaining five and 11 or six and 10 team, but just still a lot of uncertainty under center in terms of if these guys can really win games while they did add pieces to the offensive line. A lot of them were kind of underwhelming free agent signings and, you know, we'll see what we get from the rookies. Uh, skill position talent is there, but, you know, not adding a single RB or receiving talent to this group was a little puzzling to me. So I think the defense, while they probably won't be the worst in the league for most of the season, I still don't, I'm not ready to anoint them as, you know, a top 16 unit or anything like that. And the offense, uh, still kind of worried about that offensive line, their ability to win games. So this has been the 2020 Miami Dolphins fantasy football team preview. Thank you all for listening. I'm Ian Harditz and until next time. 